Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think you hit it dead on the head. Um, 
this 40-yard dash stuff and all of the other drills that they have them going through, I understand the majority of the guys that are invited there are from the big schools where, you, you know, they're on TV every Saturday. You should have a good amount of film. Film should be available when you go to the schools and you do the scouting. But I think the bigger deal uh, in terms of, you know, performance and numbers in these drills should really be about those guys from the smaller schools, the Emporia States, the, the Lincolns, uh, the Lindenwoods, uh, and I can go on naming the smaller schools. Yeah, here. I mean, yeah. I can't tell if a guy at a Division two school, you know, maybe I can't tell by the film because he's covering a guy like me. You know, so so I need to see, well, how fast is this guy? You know, what what, what can he do? I, I get that. But, I mean, if you're playing at Alabama or Ohio State or Florida or USC, come on. I mean, you know, we need a guy to go out. I don't know if a guy can be a wide receiver if he played at Ohio State. I mean, I, I can watch – 30 games he played in. Yeah, no, um, you're, you're absolutely right on it. Uh, but, you know, of course, it is an event. And uh, once again, we can talk about how the NFL has continued to make uh, their sport a year-round sport. So, um, whereas before... Well, that way, Chad, that's where I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the Combine really, and, and you can speak to this because you were there, but to me it seems... It's tailored really now as something for the NFL to market and sell. I'm not sure, and maybe they do pay more attention than I think, but I'm not sure that this, that, that scouts who watch a lot of film on these big school guys really care that much about. I mean, how many times do you run 40 yards straight ahead in a football game? Oh, uh, it's very rare that it happens. Yeah, very. Unless you're covering kicks, I guess. If you maybe maybe if you're if you're covering kickoffs, I, I I suppose you might run 40 yards before someone hits you. But, I mean, you don't do that. I mean, how many guys have you ever bench-pressed on a football field? <laughs> Come on. True. Listen, I don't want to, Emil, uh, discount the need for speed in the game of football. But speed comes in many different ways, okay? Uh, and so, you know, speed – doesn't necessarily make up for a bad read on a cut if you're a running back or a, an inability to come out of the race or, you know, make an, uh, open your hips and turn and run as a defensive back or run solid routes. Uh, I mean, you, you're giving back some of the uh, tenths of a second that you earn in a, in a sprint, in a dash out of a three-point stance when you don't execute these other things that are very fundamental to the game of football. And I've been trying to make this point to people both before the, the uh, combine and now after it is that, listen, there's a certain amount of time that's available to everyone. And typically when you have a track guy who runs extremely fast, uh, runs an, an amazing 40-yard dash, a certain amount of time had to be spent to become that. And the amount of time that you spent doing that subtracted some time away from you being the football player, working on route running, uh, working on your you know, defensive back drills, um, working on your, your, you know, your cuts and your vision as a running back. A certain amount of time was taken away from doing those things. So at the end of the day, a lot of times these things just even out. Yes, in rare moments and times, you do get a guy who is extremely good at football movements and being a football player and just also uh, happens to be fast. Oftentimes, those players are just naturally fast. But by and large, what you're seeing here at the Combine year after year are people who spend a tremendous amount of time training for these things and the amount of time you spend training for that and getting to that point subtracts from the time that you can spend doing football things. And people just let me give you an analogy. The combine is to NFL football what the SAT test is to college. 
Does it help if you have high SAT scores? Sure, it means you're, you you know might mean you're fairly smart. It does not necessarily mean you will go to college and 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 haul ass, so to speak. Because you, you, are you going to study? Are are you going to do all the other things necessary? How are you going to how are you going to be when other kids with high SATs are competing against you? It's the same thing. You, you know, you mentioned take a position like running back. Do I think it, it's hel- it's helpful to be fast as a running back? Absolutely. But on my list of things that I want in a running back, before I want speed, I want vision and durability. Because if you can't see the holes and run to the right the right holes, your speed is useless. Yeah. I'd also like for you to hold on to the football as well. So Yeah, that's a big thing too. Fumbling that football, you know, what did Parcel say? It's the quickest way to get to the bench or something like that. Oh, it most definitely is. Yeah, no doubt about that. So, um, yeah, the focus will be on the 40-yard dash since that was a big part of this weekend. And, you know, it just will be holdover and residual from, uh, you know, what was taking place this weekend. And then, you know, some people are just going to have to um, withstand it. But, um, yeah, that was big talk. You know, uh, you know, he had Dalvin Cook at the uh, Combine. The numbers on the page didn't look the way uh, people wanted it. So now he's, he's slipping um, where he was number one or two, I've seen him now uh, three and four, and I'm like, okay, uh, did he just play three years of college football? Was he not dominant in doing so? This is at Florida State. This is a team that played for the national championship, yeah. and it's, you know, one of the upper echelon schools. I mean, you're playing against the top talent in all of the country. Is he not the all-time leading rusher at Florida State University? Did we not see him be a complete and totally dominant college football player? And because you didn't like his shuttle time, and you weren't enamored with his 40 time, he somehow is not that great of a player anymore? Are we serious? Well, you know, I, I made it, you know, I got in a in a debate yesterday, and I don't know if it was on your, one of your friends on your page, I don't know who it was, but anyway, we were kind of agreeing, this this gentleman and I, it sounded like he had some ties to, to the league because he's been in scouting meetings, and, you know, he, he was saying none of these drills mean anything. The scouts don't watch them. And I said, well, I agree with you. I don't think they mean anything. But I said, I think you're wrong to say the scouts, that all the scouts don't watch them, because how else do you explain something like last season where we talked about a beanpole like Jared Goff going number one overall because he might look like an NFL quarterback or Carson Wentz who looks like an NFL quarterback at six foot five and they may end up being great, I don't know. And then we get Dak Prescott who broke thirty nine SEC records going in the fourth round. So if you're telling me that the drills mean nothing, then I say why do them? And I, I disagree. I think a lot of these scouts feel pressure and get as hard as this is to believe, they get caught up in public opinion and watching some of these drills because otherwise you could never explain some of the misses where guys come from major big conferences break all kinds of records and go into the third and fourth round other than that the scouts watch these drills apparently and you know maybe maybe not there are these other hidden things too that people don't realize about the draft and where and why guys might indeed fall. Before I say that, though, uh, Emil, I was in Indianapolis this weekend. Um, therefore, the defensive backs doing their drills on Monday. Obviously, not uh, able to be in Lucas Oil Stadium in the stands watching it. So I'm watching it uh, at a hotel. I happen to be watching it at a hotel that had a tremendous amount of NFL personnel. And without naming them, 
several head coaches at this hotel kind of watching what was going on, not not too intently watching it. And Amel, again, without naming them, some of the top-named guys in the game. Chad, the I, don't, I don't doubt it. I'm not a football guy, per se. I'm not a guy who coached major college football or, or the NFL, obviously. And I can tell you right now, I, I other than how it pertained to you and your son because you're my friend, I really didn't care what went on at this thing. It didn't. It doesn't. I watch enough football that I have a pretty good idea of who I think will be decent at the next level. I won't be right on all of them, but but you know, nobody will. It's a guessing game to some extent. But me watching a guy run a forty-yard dash isn't going to necessarily change my opinion of what I watched for two or three years of college when the guy played. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But once again, uh, the combine just finished. The forty-yard dash is the crown jewel of the of the combine, and it's going to be what's talked about. And, again, kudos to the NFL. Emil, the combine ended later than it ever has, um, and that was much to my chagrin. I had to haul you-know-what to the airport to catch a flight. Yep. Um, and you would think when you have a 5 o'clock flight on that Monday, you're good. You should be all right. That should never um, even even be close. And it was that because it ended later and later. And I noticed, Emil, um, and, you're, and I'm someone who's watched the Combine every year. More commercials on the Combine, more breaks in the Combine than ever before, um, which tells you this is growing in popularity. Um, companies are seeing it as a place to spend some ad dollars because there are a lot of eyeballs there. And it's like you said, it's become a bigger and a bigger production for the NFL. I just don't know how much, if it if it means any more now than it's ever meant to Well, let me ask you, I have a counterpoint to that, because I agree with you. It seems like the NFL is marketing the hell out of it, trying to use it as another opportunity in the offseason to get eyeballs, and I understand that. Maybe it's a bad analogy here, but let me try to say this. Do you think the NFL, I mean, the ratings dropped last year, and they can go sell the election stuff all they want. I, I think they have some issues with people pulling the plug. I put up an article, ESPN's losing a billion dollars a year right now. Um, they overpaid for the league. People are pulling the cable plug, all that stuff. Do you think the NFL maybe has oversaturated? And just like the girl who's a little bit too easy might be better off pulling back a little bit and making themselves harder to get, making you want the NFL more as, as September comes instead of just inundating us you know, with it you know, 365. No. I know it would be very difficult to make that decision. The decisions to retract, um, you know, your your coverage and your promotion of your league. Um, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. It'd be very difficult for us to at some point um, stop, look around, and say we need to advertise less. We need to pull back more. We need our company needs to be seen less. I just don't think that that's a, a decision that will ever be made. So we'll never really truly know for sure, but um, they've sure marketed the hell out of the combine thing, and, uh, you know, they'll talk a lot about the pro days, and, you know, by and large, the NFL, I know this, anytime you get more, um, you get any more coverage, and you put yourself out there more, the only thing that you, you know, a big part of what you're going to get, um, the increase will be in criticism. That's what the NFL has gotten um, as a result of being out there more, so that's just you know, par for the course, and that's what's coming. I do want to take this. Yeah, I mean, you're wa- I mean, you're walking a fine line anytime, you know, and you're right. I mean, you're, you, it's always that fine line. I'm just saying I think 
It's kind of like I, I, I've said to you with a product. Take a luxury product, right? P- pick a luxury car, BMW. They're walking, they're walking a fine line. They want to make the car, they want to make various models at various prices so that they can get enough cars sold to make it a, you know, a highly profitable business model. But at the same time, they want to make it enough attainable, you know, a little bit of a reach for people so it's still a luxury item that not everyone has. Otherwise, you lose, you know, you lose that brand equity and eventually you just become like everyone else. And I'm just wondering, I guess that, that's kind of where my head's at. I mean, look at baseball. You like baseball. I like baseball. If you miss a Yankee game, okay, you read about it, but you don't feel like you missed anything. There's 162 of them. I mean, unless it's a huge game against the Red Sox that you wanted to see. I mean, if you missed the Yankee-Tampa game, you read about the next day, you see who had hits, who played well, and you're on to the next day. There's 162 games. And I'm I'm feeling like, you know, the NFL, it's on so much. And I love football like you do, but it's it's getting to the point where, you, you know, maybe they're maybe they've just worn people out with, with this, you know, year-round stuff. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have We'll have to see on that, though. Uh, and I do want to take this time to let you know that we're we're going to have a guest on Friday. We are going to have a guest on the Gridiron Stud Show and someone who knows an awful lot about the Combine and the NFL Draft, and it's Matt Miller from Bleacher Reports. Uh, Matt is the lead NFL Draft writer for Bleacher Reports, so very happy to have him on. He's been featured in ESPN, Sirius, uh, NFL Network, CBS Sports Network, SI, USA Today. So, um, you know, we've got a big-time guest coming on with us Friday. All right. The, and, uh, and the NFL draft, you, you know, he's a good follow, um, on Twitter. You might want to check him out. Definitely a, a good follow NFL draft scout on Twitter. Um, talk I've, a read lot his, about I've read his stuff. He's very knowledgeable guy. And, you know, I mean, I've read, I, I have bleacher report app on my phone. It's one of the, my favorite sports apps. Um, really gets everything in, in, you know, you can follow your own teams and you get, you get notifications when stuff happens. And I've, I've read a lot of his stuff. Uh, yeah. And he's good. I'm not just saying that cause he's on the show. I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Matt, Matt Miller is going to join us here on the, uh, on the Iron on Friday. So very happy to have him on. Very excited to have him on and talk about, you know, the combine that we just spoke of. And, um, well, you know, we can bring some of those things up with him as well. Just how much do we think, the uh, GMs and uh, the decision makers for the NFL teams, how much stock do they put into the, uh, the combine? Obviously, this, it means something. Uh, it's just how much. And uh, we can educate our fans on that because for some of the fans, it's everything. Uh, you know, a guy that was a third, fourth round projected pick that comes into the combine and runs a 4-3-8, suddenly everyone thinks they should be first round top 10 pick. Because of the our, listen, our younger listeners will our younger listeners will not remember this name, but you will. To me, one of the most famous combine mistakes, maybe in NFL history, was a defensive end in the nineties drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles by the name of Mike Mamula. Do you remember him? Oh yeah. He went, I think, oh, yeah. eighth overall, something like that. I want to. He he went in the top ten. Okay, this guy was an absolute workout warrior. He put those shorts on and t-shirt, and I think he did the, uh, 35 reps or some goofy thing on the the bench. I don't know what it was, but he shot up draft boards. Went to the Eagles in the mid to late 90s, and I don't know if he lasted three years in the league or something like that. I think Amo. He was one of the first guys that really 
prepped for the combine. You know, uh, prior to that, I think guys just made sure that they were in shape and that they could run fast, and then they would just execute the drills as they were explained to them at the combine. And I want to say Mamul was the first guy to really find out what the drills were um, and really gear all his training towards mastering that. And it goes back to what I said in earlier in this opening segment, which is the amount of time, there's only so much time given to us. And the amount of time you spend on mastering one thing means you've got to give up some time in mastering something else. And what Mamula did was put an awful lot of time and effort into mastering these drills for the combine. And, and to that end, Abel, it worked for him. Got himself a first-round type contract, and he made big money. But it was to the expense of him being a really good football player. He just skimped on everything else, and he ended up not being the guy that people thought he was, at least not who the Eagles thought he was going to be. He was really uh, one of the all-time busts. Well, you know, we have the combine bias. You know, the draft will be coming up at the end of April, and now the real silly season starts tomorrow because you know what that is. That's a, this is our favorite time of the year. You and me usually end up shooting each other texts at night as these contracts roll in and we well, scratch our heads. Already, because I'm reading it, Brandon Marshall has uh, going to stay in the same stadium but play for a different team. Yeah, you know, he, you know, by NFL standards, I mean, he's obviously a young man, but i got to guess, what, what's Marshall now, about 31, you think? 32, says he in that range? Yeah, he's getting up there. You know, I didn't find his contract as absolutely. You know, I think he got two years and twelve million. The Giants really have nothing outside of Beckham, and you know, you never know when Beckham's going to leave the reservation. Uh, they cut Cruz. They needed something there, and on a short deal like that, I mean, I, I mean, I could live with that. I'm talking about the really stupid money is going to start tomorrow. You're going to see guys coming off the way the way free agency works, and I have to say, he did a great job of explaining it. It, it sounds kind of easy, but Stephen Jones said, listen, I'm not a big believer in free agency other than, you know, waiting till it settles and taking some guys that can help your team later on. Because he said, here's what happens in the first few days. He said, good players are paid like they're great. He said, average players are paid like they're good. And below average players are paid like they're average. And that's really how it works because what happens is people, there's a supply and demand aspect of it. And if there's only so many guys, like, you know, you talk about this kid from Kansas City, Poe, the defensive Mm -hmm. tackle, good player, um, really slid back last year, he's going to get huge money. He's going to get huge money. He's going to be paid like he's he's Warren Sapp. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we could talk a little bit about why these things happen. I think we'll save that for our next segment. We're going to jump into our first break. When we get back, why, why? Do NFL teams lose their mind in free agency? We'll discuss it when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Come on, come on. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. 
One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! Chicago Bears. 
You don't have a quarterback. Right. Okay, Cutler's gone. Cutler's gone. You're at the bottom of your division. You know you need a quarterback. You're not particularly in love with what you got coming out of the draft, and you need a guy. And let's say, let's say for argument's sake, Glennon is a guy that's out there. You believe that he is the best guy that's going to be available in free agency. And, you know, there are other teams that need a quarterback. What are you to do? Um, you're not the only one that's going to put a bid on the table. So you know you need a quarterback. Um, you've been down for a little while. You haven't been in the playoffs. You know you've got a fan base that's getting a little, you know, rustled up. Do you just sit by and get outbidded? I mean, you know, part of this is just a competitive atmosphere anyway. So when you put an offer on the table and someone else exceeds it, don't you feel the need to feel to to fill that need? So now you bid and it just turns into a whole bidding war. No, I, I, you know, I understand. I understand what goes down and how it happens. I'm just saying that it's just usually, it's usually a path to hell in the NFL. I mean, that's the truth. Last year, Osweiler was the hot name. He got four years. He got $72 million. They're looking to see if they can get Tony Romo to come play quarterback. He lasted one year into that deal, and they still have to pay him this year. They they can't afford to cut him yet. So it just – here's the way the NFL works. If you really study the salary cap, the salary cap makes the CFO and the accountants probably the most valuable people this time of year. And all it really becomes sure. is a bunch of math masturbation to move numbers around to fit under this cap. If a guy is that great, very rarely anymore, now the teams have figured out how to do this after 20 years, will he ever make it to free agency? I mean, if a guy is really, I'm talking about, impact all-pro type player, you don't find those linemen hit free agency, they just don't. The quarterbacks don't. Usually the wide receivers don't. The Julio Joneses of the world. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't good players in free agency, but what I'm saying is, those type of guys never make it there. So what you get are very good players who, as I said at the beginning of the segment, get paid like difference makers. You go look at the last 10 years, the only team I could think that had a good free agency where they signed big names, and it's lasted one year. We'll see if it happens again this year. The Giants paid three guys big last year. The defensive tackle Harrison, the corner Jenkins, and um, – the defensive end from the Dolphins that they got, uh, Olivier uh, Vernon. Right. Those three guys played very well. That rarely ever happens. Okay, the Giants hit a, a trifecta last year. So. Well, okay, so let's play. G- You're going to play GM for me. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, you're the okay. Chicago Bears. You need a quarterback. You're not New England. You're not Green Bay. You're not Seattle. You don't have money in the bank like that with your fan base. Okay. You've been right. schlepping around in, in some in piss for a while, and you need to do something, all right? You don't have a quarterback. So um, you believe Mike Glennon's worth $10 million a year, and so you put your bid out there at, at $10 million. And then Houston, let's say, puts a bid in for ten and a half per year. What do you do? Well, I mean, you're, you know, since I know the way this is going to go, I mean, I have to have a ceiling on this. So, you know, if I feel like the highest I can go, like, hey, I'll overpay 10% on the guy just to get him, yeah, I go to 11. But I'm not going to let this start slipping to where, okay, they come back 11 and a half, uh, I come back at 12. Before I know it, I'm paying Mike Glennon $15 million bucks a year. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's no way. 
uh, you know, Amos, it's a fat man on a diet that's hungry and he's walking by cake. I mean, I want to eat. I need to eat. Yeah, but listen, you've you've been around this game long enough, and when you make a deal like that, what happens is now you impact the ability to to improve the rest of your team. The Bears are not only a three-win team because of the quarterback. It's not like you could say, hey, you know what, if the Bears had a good quarterback, damn it, they'd be a 12-win team. I mean, they've got a lot of holes well, we there. So just because – We don't want to be 5-11. and 11. We don't want to be 5-11. and 11. Not only do we not want to be 5-11, and 11, we don't want to give off the impression to our fans here in, in March that we are going to be 5-11 and 11 again next year. We do have to sell a certain amount of season tickets. It'd be well, nice, thank right? you. You just made my point for me. What did I say when I started this? I said not all teams are truly trying to win, not long-term like we want to win our division, you know, five of the next seven years. Teams – are trying to win enough. In other words, a Mike Glennon move, to your point, might be something the Bears say, you know what, we can't, like you just said, give off the impression in March we're going to be 5-11. and 11. They know that the best Glennon's going to do maybe is get them to 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, deep down, coaches know what they know about the rest of their roster. But guess what? You're 100% right. They overpay. Now there's a buzz in Chicago. We got a quarterback. Soldiers, yeah. they, sell, they sell their season tickets. So I, I agree with you. You're not Seattle. You're not Green Bay. You don't have cash in the bank with your fans. Right. I agree. So, all right. So, uh, look, if you're – but let's go back to you being GM. You know, we're putting you on the spot here. So, at 11 and a half, you say, I'm out. So, let's say the Broncos went in at 11 and a half with Glennon, and they're going to get Glennon. Well, wait, tell me my position, though. My GM, where I'm very solid in my job, ownership – is going to keep me that they believe in my plan or my GM that, that, you know, because if I'm GM, if I'm on the hot seat, then I'm going to pay whatever I have to pay because I need to at least put out a representative football team this year, even though I know it may impact me the next three years in the ability to get any better. Right. And you see now, and, and this segment is going exactly the way that I wanted it to go because we're going, the purpose of this segment was to examine um, how things go wild in free agency. And there's another one of those factors. Uh, a, a, a general manager who's on the hot seat um, doesn't mind at this point if he walks away from this thing with the house burning in the background. I'm going to try. Um, I'm not necessarily thinking long term. And if this works, it works. If it doesn't, you know what? As I walk away from the mansion, it's, it's burning behind me. But what happens when you do enough and you're not fired. You're not great. All right, Glenn comes in and you're eight and eight. You're not fired, but you made moves for right now, and it, it continues to affect you in the future. So well, being- that, that's exact. That's exactly. You know what? That's exactly right. And you know, as a Cowboy fan, that's what happened to my franchise a while ago. They started. You know, they were always into free agency, always trying to get the. You know, the quick fix. They had three straight eight and eight seasons. It's a road to, to NFL hell. And here's what eight and eight means: it means you're picking in the middle in the draft, so you're never going to get a guy in the top ten. You're not that bad, and you're not that good that a pick at number seventeen is still going to help you. You're just completely mediocre, and that's what I think. Dipping into this free agency too too heavy 
leads to. If you look at the formula in the NFL, it's a young man's game. You build your team through the draft. You keep your impact players out of free agency. You keep them on your roster. They're the guys that play 10, 12 years for you and then go to the Hall of Fame, hopefully, if they have that good of a career. And you patch holes in free agency. You find guys on uh, in the second week of free agency, guys who weren't in that first wave that are nice additions to your football team that can make you a better team and don't blow up your salary cap. At least that's, that's the way I think what I've seen in my life and for the last 20 years, that's the teams that do this well, the teams that approach it that way. Okay. Let's say you're – so, all right, let's go on the assumption that you're still the GM for the Bears. And, you know, you're not etched in stone, but you're pretty solid in, in your position there. What do you do? You passing on Glennon at 11 and a half a year? If I'm the Bears right now, okay, with the holes I have, I'm looking for a short-term fix for two years maybe at the quarterback position because I, I, I really truly believe that generally speaking, you know, I mean, you can, you can tell me the Broncos traded for Peyton Manning, but they already had a really good football team. Generally speaking, you draft your quarterback. When you find the guy, he's drafted. Go throughout the league. Look at the teams, go division by division. The teams that have a good situation at quarterback have drafted their guy. You know, and that could be whether it's a veteran like Tom Brady or younger guys like Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. They're drafted. You, you, you are not – it's just so rare to say that you found your guy in free agency. So for me, if I'm the Bears, I'm looking, okay, if I don't like this year's draft – let me find a way to get a, you know, maybe I go after Romo as a guy who I stick in there. The fans will get excited. He has name cachet. Um, if if we keep him upright, he'll he'll definitely put up, put up some numbers and make us entertaining. Um, and, and then I wait till next year. There's always a trade. Someone will get you into the top five. You pass on Glenn and then what? He's gone. He's gone. Let's say he's going to the Broncos. Broncos paid him that number that he wanted. We, you, you, dro- you dropped out of the race because he passed it. You're stealing. What are you doing now? Well, I mean, I would, I, I would see if I can, if I can bring in a Romo. If, if he's cut, or if I can, you know, it's not going to take a lot. I mean, knowing the situation there, if he gets cut, he's probably not going to the Bears. So I'm going to have to orchestrate a trade. But I'm not going to have to give up much to get him. You know, maybe I, I call Jerry and say, listen, I'll give you a, a fourth rounder with a conditional third if he, if he plays in 14 games this year. You know, because I can get a guy like that for a year or two. He still wants to play, so he's still motivated. The fans get excited. Fanny's going to the seat. It's still the best quarterback the Bears have had for a long time, even if he is coming off some injuries. And then I look right. for next year and say, hey, maybe there's a guy coming out next year that I, I, I keep my powder dry and I get into the top five, even if I have to trade up, and get that guy. But I want to draft my guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, you try to get a Romo in. If you get Romo, do you get a guy in a draft? Well, you know my philosophy. I mean, I'm not going to use a high pick in the draft unless I, unless I was very, very confident this year that, that there was someone I loved. I'm going to take a guy every year in the draft. You know that philosophy. It might be in the seventh round. It might be in the sixth round. But I believe that's a lottery ticket in the NFL. You you take a quarterback 
if your situation is good at quarterback, you waste the sixth or seventh round or take a guy that you like the tools and see if you can develop them. Because if you can, even if you don't need them, you, this whole conversation is showing that my point makes sense because you can trade that guy for a lot if he ends up being a player. If, you, if he can flash in the preseason or if he gets in a few games when your starter's hurt, you can get a lot back on a quarterback. So I'm drafting one every year. So you're asking the wrong guy. Um, okay. Well, I don't know how much you're going to get when you say a lot for a guy if um, you know, all he's really done was you know, show some things in the preseason, but why don't I do this? Um, I don't know how much you've seen of these guys, but I'm going to use Matt Miller's list. And again, Matt Miller's going to be our guest here on the Gridiron Stud Show on Friday, talking NFL Combine and the draft. Um, he is a, uh, the lead draft writer for Bleacher Reports. And I'm going to go through a list of uh, quarterbacks here, his list. And these are the top guys. Obviously, um, in Chicago's case, using the scenario that we had, you were able to bring in a Tony Romo, and you and I and everyone else knows that that's not a long-term solution, might not even make it through this season. Again, it, you know, if he's in Chicago, it's not Dallas's uh, offensive line. So you could lose him this year, but quite frankly, you're not thinking anything more than two years there. So you're not getting a Trubisky because you're not going to spend that amount of money on it in uh, that kind of a draft pick. No Deshaun, no Deshaun Kaiser, no Deshaun Watson, no Patrick Mahomes, no Davis Webb. I'm going to go read guys from six to ten. You tell me if you would, who you would make a move on. You got Brad Kaya uh, from Miami, Nathan Peterman from Pittsburgh. Wait, Chad Kelly. stop! I'm on him. I'm on him like white on rice. Who? Peterman. Kaya. Kaya. All right. Well, uh, so am I, and we. That's another discussion we can get into, um, and I touched on it some, but okay, Kaya. Let's say, would you go? How high? Well, I, I may surprise some people. I mean, I'm I'm fine taking him in the third round. So if you're the Chicago Bears and you picked up Tony Romo in the free agency, you'd go third-round pick and go quarterback with Brad Kai. Well, sure, because now I think I have a kid with some real tools from a big-time program who's played in you know against great competition, and I've got a guy like a Romo standing around, hopefully for a year, maybe two, to to show this guy how to be an NFL quarterback, um, you know Romo strikes me as a guy who's not not going to feel threatened. He knows his place at this point. He's comfortable in his own skin, and he was in that same position where he was overlooked and even more than a guy like Kai. I mean, he was an undrafted free agent. I think he would take to a guy like that. So I think it'd be a good situation to to have a a guy bring in a guy who's not necessarily a top ten pick that everybody's you know oo, you know oozing over to work with a guy like Romo, who's a real professional. Interesting that you, you make that decision. Well, but let me read some more names on the list, because maybe you don't pick a Kaya if you know some of these other guys could be available later on and you get something else in the third round. I'll leave that up to you, Mr. GM okay. of the Chicago Bears, Abel Calamino. Nathan Peterman of Pittsburgh. Uh, Chad Kelly, Ole Miss. Joshua Dobbs, Tennessee. And I'm going to stop at C.J. Beathard, Iowa. He's 10th on Matt Miller's top quarterbacks in the draft. Okay, well, let me go backwards. Number 10, the kid at number 10 from Iowa, nice player. Uh, Just watching him, in my head, just kind of says to me, having seen him play a lot of football, he's a career backup. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think he's a career backup. And you can make a nice living 
playing three or four games a year competently in the NFL and, and giving oh, sure. your team a chance to win. Sure. And, and the clipboard. Yeah, no yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, number nine, did you say Dobbs from Tennessee? Dobbs. Yes. Great athlete. This yeah, he looks good. I still question what's between the ears when 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 the bullets start flying in a game. I'm not I, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on him. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. I think he can, you know, he's got he's got the arm strength and that kind of stuff. But I'm just wondering how he processes information and hey, makes decisions on. like you always. Pardon me. Is, he, I mean, I'm is Joshua Dobbs is a gamer? Did you not see him pull those games out of those victories for the Vols out of you know what? Literally out of his crack. I, I I did. You know, I learned from you with with one thing you've always told me with with quarterbacks is the biggest thing they can do well is make decisions. And for some reason, you know, watching a lot of Tennessee games last year just because they were on TV a lot, I, I I questioned decisions a lot with him. I think he's a little loose with the football sometimes. Yes, he's a gamer. He's got he got a big heart. The kid doesn't quit. So you know, there's some positives there too. But He's, you, I'm the GM. I don't want him, and I don't want the kid before him, Kelly. What's your problem with Chad Kelly? He got upset at his brother's football game. You gonna hold that against the guy? Yeah, another another thing. Poor judgment. You know, I mean, just sometimes the and, and he's just another. I, I don't know. There's certain guys. You know, you, it's it's like one of those things. I don't know what it is, but when I see it, okay, I just I just. You know that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. Peterman. I like I like that kid. He's another kid like, from Iowa though. He, the, kid, the kid from Pitt reminds me of the kid from Iowa. He strikes me as a guy who could have a nice career as a career backup where, you know, he's reliable, but I don't see him necessarily, at least from what I, I, I've watched him in college, you know, I don't really see him as a, a full-time starter, which is why I go back when you said Kaya. I, I, I see Kaya being a kind of kid that has tools, the pedigree, Maybe he didn't get the coaching for a lot of his career at Miami, you know, until this past year, I thought, where they brought in a, a better staff. Um, I, I just – I like this kid. I, I think there's there's something okay, there. So that's where you stop with regards to a guy in this draft that you think can um, be, be a franchise guy, so to speak, a guy that could come in, start in this league, and win games consistently. Yeah, I think it's I mean, I think that list, the top six – to me is, is where I see, and, you know, hey, who knows? Maybe there isn't, you know, it's a guessing game. There could be another diamond in the rough, but, but seven through ten don't do it for me. But, but, but I, I, can, I, can, I think I can win with Kaya if he's coached up the right way. Yeah, um, and there's something I think people need to know about quarterbacks, something very important that I think people need to know about quarterbacks. You got time for another segment? I know you uh, had some things to do today. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we can. We, we, we have, we have another segment in us. This is getting interesting. Yeah, well, I'll talk about what people need to know about quarterbacks, and it pertains to this draft. Something very, very important, and you'll need to hear it. We'll do that next on the Gridiron Stud Show, right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? 
The Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, T-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen-printed T-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, you can do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Washington will not make a big push to retain him, and that, you know, while his salary won't be $16 million next year, with his signing bonus and salary, he'll make $16 million, according to them, to play football for the San Francisco 49ers in 2017. Wow. A lot of money for Pierre Garçon, would you not say? Good player, but I mean, 16, he's 30 years old, good player, but $16 million? If he's getting that kind of real cash, you know, the contracts that you're going to see Deshaun Jackson and Jeffries get are probably going to be ridiculous based on both of them being good players. But again, going back to the earlier segment, they're going to be paid like Hall of Famers, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, and again, it's need. It's a need. Um, it's, I, I struggle to. I struggle to say that. Um, 
and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but wide receiver becomes that much of a dire need that you, you know, end up overreaching like that. But again, it fills a need. San Francisco does need a guy. I thought they, I thought they might have needed a guy to stretch the defense, but um, you, you know, they get one in. Other than Julio Jones and right now and a couple other guys, Antonio Brown, you know, we don't have to go through the list, but you know what I'm talking about. I think a lot of wide receivers are system-based and they become interchangeable, and the Patriots prove that. I mean, they pass the ball to the dom- to some little white guy that del- delivered dominoes to, your- to the training facility. They sign him and then say, here, go out and run some patterns. Oh, you're pretty fast. We'll throw you the ball. I mean, come on. Yeah, they, they will take a guy from Best Buy and turn him into an MVP of some important game. They have a history of doing that. Okay, uh, I talked about before we went to the break about what people really need to know and understand about um, quarterbacks in this draft, and not just this draft, but almost every draft. And I will just say this, Amol, and I'm going to sound wild. I'm going to go way off the beaten path here, and I can promise you this is not for shock value. I truly believe it. I'm just not into the one-year, one-and-a-half-year Sometimes even just being a two-year starter makes me a little bit nervous when it comes to college, drafting a college quarterback. And right now, they're all over Mitch Trubisky. He's a one-year starter. I just It would make me extremely nervous if I was a GM making that pick. I mean, we've talked for a long time here about Ryan Tannehill, a, a, a year-and-a-half starter, uh, at Texas A&M before coming to the Miami Dolphins, and he's struggled in this league to live up to the expectations. Now, had you, I'm going to say it, and I've said it before, had you taken him in the second round, it would be different. The expectations would not have been as high for a guy who just really didn't have enough snaps under his belt. And what I'm seeing with Trubisky is a guy that could be taken in the first five picks in this draft, and he just doesn't have enough snaps under his belt to handle what's coming his way in the NFL draft. And I would, if it was me, Emil, I'd be more for a guy like Deshaun Watson, who's been a three-year starter, who's played in really big football games, who's lost, who's gotten back up on. I know so much more about, it's more, I don't want to say a sure thing, but I know more of what I'm getting with this guy than to put my number four or five pick or number two pick up on the hopes of what Trubisky could be. Well, and, and, like, and your point going back to Tannehill, it, cha- it changes your entire team because he was the eighth pick in the draft. Had you used that pick on someone else, hopefully other than an offensive lineman because the Dolphins were on a string there of taking them, but had you used that pick on something else and then gotten your quarterback in the second round, the co- entire complexion of your football team is different because assuming you made a wise pick, that number eight pick is usually going to be a difference maker. It's going to be you know, a game-changing type player. And, you know, I think a lot, again, this is supply and demand. It goes back to free agency. It's the same in the draft. I mean, everybody thinks they're going to be the guy to break the trend. Um, if you look statistically, taking a guy that's a one-year or a year-and-a-half starter has always been a fairly bad play, okay? Uh, Mark Sanchez comes to mind with me. He played three games as a sophomore at USC because of an injury. His senior year, he led them to a 12-1 and season, a number two ranking in the country, a lot more than Trubinsky did. He went to the NFL, and people will say, oh, he got to the AFC Championship game with the Jets. Let's be honest. Those Jets teams were not in the AFC Championship game because of Mark Sanchez. They had a dominant offensive line running game and defense, and he, they basically said, don't go out there and screw this up. 
once he had to become an NFL quarterback and lead teams and make throws and, you know, start throwing it all over the lot, he proved he wasn't up to it. And there's other guys. He's just one of the more recent ones that comes to memory because he was a very good college quarterback. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, I kind of made this point here and brought this up, this segment up, to hone in on something that you did that was, I thought, very, very interesting. We're talking about what Chicago would do. We used the scenario, for those of you just joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show, um, I made the scenario where Emil was the GM of the Chicago Bears, as frightening as that may be to some of y'all out there listening, uh, our regular listeners. I made him GM for a day, the Chicago Bears. And um, I asked him what to do about Mike Glennon, and the ceiling was $11 million, and I put, put it out there that let's say Denver went to 11 and a half. Emil said he'd pass. He'd try and get a Tony Romo, and whether he did or he didn't, he'd go get someone in the draft. And the guy that he mentioned in the draft was Brad Kaya. And Emil, I think... Brad Kai is a guy getting seriously overlooked in this draft, and I think he's going to end up being the best value in this draft. Now, you know, the experts are going to say Trubisky and Kaiser and Watson, uh, maybe even Mahomes, are your your best guys in this draft. But I think your best value is going to come with Brad Kai, because here's what I see him. I, saw, I see a three-year starter um, that started 38 games for the University of Miami, whose numbers went up each and every year. That's what you want to see. Um, Threw for 3,100, 32, and then 35 this year. Completion rate went up from 58 to 61 to 62 this year. 26, 16, then 27 TDs this year. I saw a guy that improved each and every year. And it's just something about putting up some numbers one year and then coming back the next year when everyone knows who you are, they've watched film, and you go out and you produce again. And then you produce again for a third year. There's something to be said for that. And what I see in Kai is, uh, listen, I've, I've had this argument with fans. You've seen it on Facebook. They want to discount this guy. Uh, they want to say he didn't do this, he didn't do that. You know, they want to, Kane's fans want to blame him for them not being in the ACC championship and he missed reads and he just didn't show. They nitpicked the hell out of this guy. And what I see is a guy who put up 3,000 plus yards um, and averaged over 20 touchdowns a year and just got better each and every year in the face of Amel. And coach change and coordinator changes each and every year. This yeah, is I mean, I don't know why Miami fans seem to be so down on this guy because, to me, I look at, you know, I look at his career and I think, you know, the things you point out. I thought he had just a really, really good uh, career at Miami, especially given the coaching changes. You know, I don't think that they. I think they're just getting back to being closer to what they were. In terms of talent, years ago, I don't think that he had a lot of talent necessarily. You know, like some other programs, uh, in some of his time there, I think he's. I, I agree with you. I I like the guy a lot. I mean, I think the guy that people may be making a mistake on and valuing a little bit too high based on measurables is Kaiser out of Notre Dame. Yeah, I think this. I feel the same way as well. What has he shown? He's tall. Okay. And he has a good arm. He has, he's tall and he has a good arm. But I look in 2015 when Notre Dame played pretty good football, he completed 63% of his passes. Last year, he goes, Notre Dame has a, a horrible season. They're 4-8. and eight. I mean, there's no excuse for Notre Dame ever rolling out a 4-8 and eight football team, especially when they've had some up seasons, you know, the last three or four years. It's not like the cupboard was bare there. He completed 58% of his passes. So his completion percentage drops. The team's performance drops. I'm not saying it's all him. I'm not. But what I am saying is 
I think people may be falling in love with a big kid with a strong arm and and as you always say decision making that's that's what you know that that's what defines great quarterbacks usually quarterback why how does this happen year after year how is it that NFL teams really really smart guys um, with key positions in billion uh, million dollar and and in case in some cases billion dollar companies fall for this trap every year. Big strong guy with strong arm. Pressure, the fog of war, as they say. Pressure will will make people do really stupid things. No different than a blitz will make a quarterback make a really stupid read. The pressure that these guys are under to succeed, keep their jobs, uh, you know, they just get caught flat-footed. I mean, and they're scared to take chances. I mean, you remember, taking Kaiser is going to roll with conventional wisdom. If you're a GM and you take Kaiser and everybody's got a top-10 grade on him, then then if he fails, you can say, well, everybody liked him. I just, you know. But but if you if you think out of the box and with that first pick you go take a a defensive tackle and you wait to the third round and you grab Kaya, if he isn't what you and I think he is and you're wrong, well now you've got to answer why didn't you take Kaiser, <laughs> you know, or why didn't you take Watson? Yeah, amazing how that works. Um, I just don't know how this ends up happening each and every year. It happens each and every year, and it's uh it's can so set the program. Back. And you know what irks me the most is that in a lot of these cases, what you had was a good quarterback there, but their career is ruined by the mere fact that they were taken too high in the draft and the expectations were too great. Well, yeah, the expectations are great, and then what happens is the, the, besides the kid feeling the pressure, the organization feels the pressure. So, you know, you take a kid in the top ten, if he if he doesn't play like a top ten pick immediately, there's pressure throughout, for all the way top down. Whereas if you take him in the second, third, fourth round, you know he can exceed expectations and and everybody's happy. But if he plays like a third round pick, you accept the fact that well we've only got a third rounder invested in him. We're going to have to be patient. Yeah, you hear stuff like he's a work in progress and that type stuff. Listen, Derek Carr has uh, turned out to be a really really good quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. I mean, if he'd have been the number one pick overall, things might have been different. And I just think sure. we get robbed of the greatness of some of these guys when they are taken too early by some of these teams and the expectations are too great and then they flame out of the league. And I could name a number of guys in which I've been disappointed that that happened for them. I mean, I'd even say that for Tannehill. We get on this show and we bashed him a couple of times. Um, and he's certainly taken a beating from Miami Dolphins fans. But if you took... Ryan Tannehill in the second round, you, it's funny, if you took him in the second round, you'd be happy with what he's given you so far. And you can go well, into this thing with And again, I think they throw the film. If you remember last year, we were doing shows this time of year, uh, the draft show. And I'm again, I'm not going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to lie because it's on tape. I didn't have the guy as a top 10 pick. I'm never going to say that. But if you remember, you kept asking me, who do you want your Cowboys to take? Who do you want your Cowboys to take? Because they had the fourth pick in the draft. And I said, well, I wouldn't use the fourth pick on him, but I do like the kid from Mississippi State. I said, I like Prescott. And my reason was, well, he played a lot, and he had Mississippi State. Mississippi State, now I say, not Alabama. He had them number one in the country at one point. And he broke 
all these records in the best conference in college football. And I watched him play a lot on Saturday because he was on TV. So I'm thinking to myself, yeah. well, he looks pretty good to me. I <laughs> yeah, I echo that. I think we both felt that same way. You were really strong about it. Hey, Amos, speaking of your Cowboys and what they're going to do in this draft, I do need to let you know this. Quincy did interview with the Dallas Cowboys. It's believed that they really do like him. So there's a chance, Amos, chance that your Cowboys yeah. could be in the market for a Quincy Wilson. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, I'm well, happy with you. Know. You, you you know, I don't hide my fandom, and obviously I don't hide my love for your family, so I'd be happy with that. Those things rarely work out for me in my life. So <laughs> I have a feeling. Yeah, we're still For some reason, it'll end up with the Eagles or something. <laughs> well, um, I will say this. The only other team, I think, in the market for uh, a cornerback pick in the first round, which is where we're assuming he would go, not etched in stone, uh, is, is actually the Philadelphia Eagles. So Dallas and Philadelphia are the two teams that uh, in that division that are probably. You might see the Eagles address that need in free agency. Um, they have some money under the cap right now. And uh, the, the kid from Houston, I, what's his last name, Boy, or how do you say his last name, A.J.? Yeah, Boye. You know how the the kid from Houston is a free agent. Yeah. He's going to get a pretty big contract, and Gilmore from Buffalo is going to be available. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I, I mean, I think Quincy is a better fit for the Dallas scheme. I mean, I'm not saying he can't play for the Eagles. I'm just saying I think what what, what Dallas does, I think Quincy do be really good down there. But we'll see. Well, I could be just missing someone. It could be just right there in my face. I haven't looked at it. When's the last time the Eagles drafted uh, a cornerback pretty high? They seem to have, in recent years, want to address that position through free agency. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Eric Rowe, they they got in the second round, right, and he's not even there anymore. Um, yeah, I can't remember the Eagles going that high on corner. Where are they drafting this year? The Eagles, by the way. I believe they 14, were in that. I think. And they and they they lost the coin toss, and I think they're fifth. If I'm not well, I mean, uh, you know, if he, if, if he, you know, if he can go 15th in the draft, God bless him. I'll be happy for him. That, so even no, if it is no. to the Eagles, but uh, that said, then I'll see more of you anyway. You can come up for games. But uh, you know, that said, I, for some reason, I, I think I think uh, not, I think I think his buddy down there would fit the Eagles even their scheme. That's not to say that that you know I'm not, I'm not judging who's better. I'm just saying I think. From what I've watched, Eagle games for some reason, I think I think Tabor would be a little bit more what they do, but that doesn't mean that that's who they'll take. I'm going back trying to find uh, other than Rowe, when's the last time the Eagles picked a cornerback or even a defensive back in uh, round one or two? And I'm all the way back to 2003 here. Go, we go back to Lito Shepard in 2002. The last time the Eagles had wow. really a well, yeah, yep. I remember out of Florida, right? There's another Florida guy. I mean, so they. I I tell you what, though, I think you're wrong about this. I could see Carolina going corner in the first round. Um, well, I. I you know, they're wow. at number eight. I could, I could see them going corner. Well, they don't play in the NFC East. I was talking about your team's division. You know, oh, so, okay, okay, yeah. I thought I thought maybe you were just saying I could I because I could see a couple other teams very early in this draft uh, going going corner. 
Yeah, your Cowboys might go with an edge rusher, you know. Um, so that, it all depends. Very- this is why free agency is important. You got to watch free agency. It's going to give you some some pathways to the draft. I think a lot of teams try to, even if it's not a huge signing, they try to address needs in free agency to to not put themselves in that position. For instance, the rumor is Demarcus Ware would like to finish his career as a specialty pass rusher in Dallas, kind of like Freeney was for the Falcons last year. And there seems to be some mutual interest there. If the Cowboys can get Ware in free agency, that would free them up to go either direction in that first round, corner or or edge rusher. I did hear that story, and I found it a little surprising. I don't know how many years a Ware would have, but that'd be interesting if he were able to come back to Dallas. But, hey, that's it, man. It's noon. I don't think we've ever been on at noon. So uh, we gave you a nice little action-packed hour of combine and draft talk for all of you people who weren't completely and totally drunk enough with it yet. So uh, we gave you a whole hour of that. I do want to remind you folks listening to us right now, whether that's live or on the podcast, uh, Matt Miller from Bleach Reports, lead NFL draft writer for the Bleacher Reports, will join us on the podcast and show on Friday. Definitely want to come back for that. He's a wealth of information and knowledge, and so... Um, once you sober up from all of this draft and combine talk, come get drunk with us again on Friday. Uh, Emil and I and uh, Matt Miller from Bleacher Reports going to talk draft with us. So, well, we want to thank you guys for listening. And uh, as always, we appreciate you making us a feature Tom Blog Talk Radio. Continue to uh, do so. Enjoy the rest of your day. For Emil Calamina, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. See you Friday. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!